Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so happy that you are here today because I know that God's word is going to build you up to empower you to do what he has called you to do and also to be transformed into the image of Jesus. That's God's plan for your life. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now let's go just for a moment over to the book of Leviticus chapter 25. And I want to read a couple of scriptures because I want you to be aware that the year 2022 in the Hebrew calendar. And you know, of course, many of the rabbis would be aware of this. This is a Jubilee year. Praise God. Now I also know that from the new Testament perspective, that Jesus is our Jubilee. All of the feast were foreshadowing the coming Messiah, Jesus. So technically any year can be a Jubilee year when you're in Christ, who is our Jubilee. And at the same time, we also see that God works by these principles and there's special anointings upon certain moments and certain times as ordained by the Lord. And this year is a Jubilee year. Now I know that many believers get excited because they think, Oh, well the Jubilee would signify the removal of debt. And that is correct. And I want us to take a look at that just for a moment, because I want you to be believing God that this year is the year that you get all of your, uh, uh, not only, of course, not only your bills paid, but this is the year that you get all of your debts paid off. Praise God. And when we think so often about the Jubilee, we think about debt forgiveness. That word is used often, uh, particularly by evangelicals in association with the Jubilee. We think, debt forgiveness. And that would be uh, tied into that. But technically, if you were to look at it closely and study it, it's actually better identified as not so much debt forgiveness, but rather debts paid off. Now, Leviticus 25 verse one, and the Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land, which I give you, then the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. Six years, you shall sow your field and six years, you shall prune your vineyard and gather its fruit. But in the seventh year, there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. And it goes into the guidelines for the year of Jubilee verse 18. So you shall observe my statutes and keep my judgments and perform them. And you will dwell in the land in safety. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now the year of Jubilee, the year of debts being paid off. So whether the debts are forgiven or whether the debts are paid off, here's the bottom line. The debts are gone. <laughs> and we have precedent throughout scripture of supernatural debt cancellation of debt being paid off and also of debt, even just being flat out forgiven. Even Jesus told the parable about the unmerciful servant in the gospel of Matthew chapter 18, that those would be verses 23 through uh, 25. And you had this servant that had a debt that he could not pay. And the debt 
uh, was this outrageous amount today, equivalent of about $10 million, and he couldn't pay it. And so the king said, well, we're going to just take this guy. He's, he's not going to pay it. He can't pay it. And so we'll, we'll extract as much out of him. And uh, so he's going to be sold. His family are going to be sold. All of his possessions will be sold. And of course, you know, the family, that means they go into slavery. And the man pleaded, oh, no, give me mercy. Please give me mercy. And the king uh, he had a soft spot in his heart that day, and he canceled the debt. He completely forgave the entire debt. But you know the story, that same servant who had great mercy shown to him goes about, uh, you know, his business the next day or whenever, and he sees a man that owes him some money. That's the equivalent of one day's worth of wages. So maybe the guy owes him, you know, $200, $300, or $400. And, uh, the, you know, so the, uh, the person who has been forgiven says, Hey, you, you need to pay me that money. And the guy says, I don't have it. I'll pay it just as soon as I can. And the man got real angry and said, no, if you can't pay it now, I'm going to throw you in the prison. And that's what he did. He had that man thrown in the prison. Well, all of the other King's servants, they heard about what had happened and they went back and told the King and the King said, okay, well, I shown leniency and mercy to the wrong guy. So let's go back and get that guy and throw him in the prison. <laughs> but nevertheless, in the Bible, you do see examples of complete debt forgiveness. Uh, debts just totally wiped out uh, uh, either through God's natural laws, or sometimes through supernatural means, praise God. So please understand that this is a year on the Hebrew calendar of debt forgiveness, debts being paid off. This is the year of Jubilee 2022, praise God. You know, one time I was ministering in Israel in a, in a conference and you know, there's a lot of people in the conference and the conference was being uh, televised on TV. And in, in my session, one of my sessions of speaking, the Holy spirit led me to speak on the subject. Uh, and I, it wasn't the whole topic. It was just something I kind of, I brought up a little bit in one of my messages that God can supernaturally cancel debt or empower you to get out of the debt by blessing you to pay it off or whatever, you know, various ring, uh, uh, measures. And I said, you know, God still supernaturally cancels debt today. Gave many examples in the Bible because it runs throughout the scriptures. And, you know, people were blessed. People were attentive. And at the same time, I knew that I'm teaching an audience that's not what we would call word of faith. Uh, that, that this is not an audience that's, you know, really uh, like Berean example, studying every, uh, checking everything you say and, and doing all of that. So in, in some ways, the audience that I said that to, they really enjoyed it because it brought hope into their hearts. But it's not like, uh, you know, these are people that are just working the word day and night to walk in these truths. So the next day after I had taught that message, um, uh, the minister that was hosting the conference, uh, he did not like what I had taught. And so he got up there and he tried to undo everything that I said. And, you know, it's his conference. He can, he can do whatever he wants. I mean, if he wants to go up there and say Jesus has three heads and uh, unicorns are on the outside of the city limit, that's up to him to do. It's his conference. I'm not responsible for that. But he went up there and uh, he began to really blast really the message that I had taught by trying to disassemble it. And he hammered the people and he said, if you create debts, you're responsible for those debts. Now in my message, I had taught 
that nobody really goes out unless you're a criminal or a fool and just runs up credit and runs up debt and gets themselves into a mess. Nobody really does that on purpose. Uh, that happens through uh, lack of discipline, uh, lack of planning, bad financial decisions, or sometimes maybe a person starts a business, they don't plan it right, it doesn't go the way they thought, the next thing you know, you're in debt. So I was teaching it from that level, not, uh, not trying to abuse the message. But he just basically said, hey, if you've made any debt, you're responsible for it. God will never let you off the hook. Despite the fact in the Bible that we know that sin is a debt and God forgave that debt, the greatest debt you could ever have forgiven is your sins. So <laughs> this is all through the Bible. But nevertheless, he's trying to dismantle it. And he brought his message to an apex and he thundered from the pulpit and he said, there is no such thing as supernatural debt cancellation. And he said it with scorn. And when he said that, uh, because many of the people, remember, this is not word of faith audience. These are not people that put heavy emphasis on the Bible. Okay. So when he said that, it kind of swayed the people to somehow get caught up in that. And so when he said that, everybody, everybody in that meeting turned and looked at me like, oh, hmm. Yeah, that Stephen Brooks must have been trying to deceive us. He must have been trying to uh, sell us a lie. And I felt that. Pastor Stephen, what did it feel like? Well, it felt like being crucified on a cross publicly in front of everybody. Nobody ran to my defense. Everybody just mm, kind of, you know, give you that look and stuff like that. And, you know, that, that only lasted, that moment lasted about two seconds, although it felt like it was a lot longer because they're all, you know, here I am being crucified. <laughs> and then he picks back up his message and goes on, you know, to uh, begin to try to uh, dismantle, unravel some other thing that he was on to next. Well, when everybody's focus went back on him, the moment that they did that, that everybody's focus is back on him. Suddenly I saw it coming. I saw a fly flying through the air, a little fly. And it came and it landed on my lower lip and everything suddenly supernaturally went into slow motion. The little fly walked all over my lip. Now this whole experience lasted maybe three or four seconds with the fly. He walked on my lip. It tickled. I could feel each little foot or leg as he's walking on my lip and as that little fly is walking on my lip, I heard the Holy Spirit speak so clear to me. And he said, what he just said is an unclean statement. Woo! That, my friends, is the Bible truth. Hallelujah. And we have got to be people that stand on the Word of God. Uh, behind the scenes story before I left. Kind of like the old Paul Harvey show. Uh, and now for the rest of the story. Before I had left that conference and before, you know, the conference, I, I just overlooked it. Acted like, you know, okay, everything's fine. Okay. Uh, but before the conference was over and I left to come back home, I happened, I wasn't trying to, happen to kind of walk in on something that I didn't know I was walking in. And I heard a conversation of a sudden debt that they had incurred the very person that spoke that got hit with a sudden unexpected debt, a big one that they weren't anticipating that hit them while they were there in that city. What were they doing? Oh, they're probably now ready to say, Oh God, help us get out of this. Oh, you mean help? Go, ask God now to help you pay the debt off. 
Well, for him to do that, that would have to be some form of debt cancellation, whether it's canceled outrightly or paid down, paid down, paid down, paid off, and then gone. Okay. Still a Jubilee, no matter how you look at it, the bottom line with the Jubilee is like, get rid of it. <laughs> Woo. Hallelujah. And God today has on his mind, has on his heart, getting you free from debt, all debts paid off. Okay. Whether they're paid off or forgiven or whatever, it doesn't matter. They're gone. Okay. And so with that blessing, you now have a greater ability to be a blessing to the kingdom of God. Okay. Now you have more that you can put into the kingdom and now you experience also new levels of freedom. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I do believe by the way in supernatural debt cancellation because I have had it to me. I've had it happen to me personally. I've had a uh, last year, a financial institution, contacted me and said, uh, pastor Stephen, you've been paying so consistently on this debt, always on time. Uh, and they just said the rest of it, we just cancel it and wipe it out. I, I, I said, you, you're going to do that for me. And the spokesperson said, yes, it's done. It's done. I said, praise God. And I received it. <laughs> of course, you, you want to be a, a giver. Yes. But a good giving also begins with good receiving. You have to be a good receiver. I said, I receive it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, thank you, Jesus. Woo. Praise God. So, my friends, I am not a stranger to these promises of God's word. This is a jubilee year. Today, as you bring the tithe and as you sow an offering into the soil of this ministry. I want you to do so with an anticipation that all of your debts are going to be paid off. They're going to be removed and taken out of your life. Right now, lift your hands and say, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 By the way, that minister and I, we're still friends today. <laughs> He's actually a great man of God. He can just be a little rough sometimes. That's okay. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Amen. All right. Now, if you're going to mail in your tithe and offering, please send it to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code here is 28654. Excuse me while I get a drink of hot tea. If you prefer to bring your tithes and offerings in online, you can do so. It's highly encrypted, very safe, and very secure. Plus, you can do it from anywhere in the world. Please visit our ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There is a link on the homepage. It has a red heart. It's, it's a red banner, and it says give. You can click on that. You can bring the tithes in right there through that online portal. If you want to give a special offering, we have opportunities of where you can give. We have an orange banner that says projects. You can click there, and you'll see three projects that we're focused on right now. And you can sow into any one of those that you would like, or all three. Hallelujah. If the Holy Spirit leads you to do so. Heavenly Father, I pray for your people. As they're bringing the tithe into the storehouse, as they're sowing seed, I pray that you bring them completely out of debt, all for your glory, all for the advancement of your kingdom, all for experiencing new levels of liberty in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you for this anointing that is in the earth right now, that is in the church right now. We give you praise in Jesus' name. 
Amen and amen. I think it's very important to learn to ride on the anointing. Move with the anointing. Move with the Spirit. All right. Praise the Lord. Today, I want to talk about uh, pursuing your vision, pursuing the vision that God has given you. Uh, Previously, we have been talking about identifying the vision, getting it really, really dialed in, and then also realizing the gifts that God has placed within you that will help empower you to see that vision move forward. So along with identification, along with uh, identifying the vision, which is unique just for you, and also identifying the gifts, the anointings that God has given you. Let's also talk today about the necessity to be able to run with the vision. We're going to start today in the book of Habakkuk uh, chapter 2. Habakkuk chapter 2, praise God. And let's open up with prayer. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, we're asking that your Holy Spirit the author of the, of your word who moved upon men of old to write these scriptures, your inspired word. We ask father God that your Holy spirit would bring the illumination, bring the light so that we can walk in victory and so that we can accomplish all that you've called us to do corporately as a body of believers and also with the individual mandates and assignments that come from heaven. Thank you, father God for empowerment today through your word in Jesus name. We all say amen. Praise God. All right. Uh, As we're going to talk about pursuing the vision, first of all, let me say that we must have this element of pursuit active concerning any vision. A A vision, regardless of how clear and defined it is, it can't be accomplished without pursuit. We see it in Habakkuk chapter 2. Look at verse two. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may sleep. Who reads it? Oops. I'm sorry. That sounds like a modern version. Not that he may sleep. Who reads it? That he may do what? Say it out loud that he may run. Who reads it for the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak and it will not lie though it tarries. Wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Now the scripture here says that he may run, not that he may sit down and just watch endless downloadable movies on the various streaming platforms. Not that he may just kick back and cruise through life. No, that he may run. And it's as you run that the vision will speak when at the end, I want you to notice that the vision will not speak just because you have a vision. Pastor Stephen, God has revealed to me my assignment and I now can identify the giftings that God has given me. That's good. But the vision in itself, it won't speak just because it is a vision. It only speaks to runners. Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run. Get ready. Put on your spiritual running shoes today that he may run. Who reads it? Thank you, Lord. So it speaks at the finish line. At the end, it will speak. It speaks at the finish line. 
That's why you've got to get to the finish line. But if you don't run, <laughs> you certainly can't finish. And I want you to be visualizing yourself running in that vision, but you're going to cross the finish line and you're going to obtain the prize knowing where you are going is the first step to fulfilling a vision. And that's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, knowing where you're going, but that's the first step running is now the next step. You have to do the running. We can't say, God, we're praying, oh God, that you run this for us. No, no, God's not going to do our running. God will hear our prayers. God will give us strength. God will energize us, but we are the ones who must do the running that he may run who reads it. Praise the Lord. Let's go over now to first Corinthians, first Corinthians chapter nine. And we're dropping down now to verse 24, which says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize run in such a way that you may obtain it. Wow. Praise the Lord. Of course, while it's important that you have faith and that you have belief in God and his promises, this, however, cannot be used as a substitute for your running. Praise God. It's your running that is going to bring to pass the fulfillment of the vision that God has given you. Now look further in verse 27, where Paul, the apostle said, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. What's Paul talking about? What is he saying? Well, what he's trying to get across to you and I is that he's letting us know that he's pressing forward towards a crown at the finish line. In other words, you can't sit down and not run and still somehow think you're going to be crowned. Oh no, my friends, it doesn't work like that. You have to run. And while you're running, discipline yourself, stay on top of the situation, stay focused. Don't let things distract you. Don't let the, uh, the carnal pulls of the lower Adamic nature, try to hijack you. No, keep on running and moving forward. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now we also see in the ministry of Jesus, the importance of this in the gospel of John, chapter nine, and let's go directly to verse four, where Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. I want you to say this right now. Say Jesus was a worker. Woo. And then say, I am a child of God. Therefore I am a worker also praise the Lord. These things are very, very important. My friends, if, if you don't work, nothing works. Pastor Stephen, nothing's working around here. You got to keep on working. Then you have to work. If you don't work, nothing works. We have through the previous teachings become aware of the various gifts. Sometimes people use the word talent or talents that God has placed within us. 
but that cannot be used as a substitute for the running that we have to do. Praise the Lord. And also that gift. You're supposed to run with that gift. Pastor Stephen, yes, God has given me a gift. Well, it's not there to sleep on. It's there to use, to run with. Praise God. Let me say this. It is your work that determines your worth. Let that go into your spirit. It is your work that determines your worth. To be workless is, in some ways, to be worthless. Oh, not, not worthless as a human being, because every human being has value, praise God. But worthless in the sense where you have no ability to contribute. Why? You're not a worker. You're just a sitter. You're not a runner. You're just a talker. Pastor Steve, one day I'm going to do this. Well, yeah, you said that five years ago, and you haven't moved on it. Uh, Pastor Stephen, 10 years ago, uh, God, God gave me a vision. Yes, that's wonderful, but it's not going to come to pass sitting nor just talking. <laughs> well, Pastor Stephen, what do I do? You do what Jesus did. You become a worker. Mm, praise God. Pastor Steve, I, I don't know if I like this message. I feel it's making me get a little bit squirmy. Well, maybe some of that millennial spirit has rubbed off on you where some uh, people think that, uh, uh, you know, we just need to go as easy as we can, uh, apply ourselves just as little as we can to do just as little as we can to keep things, you know, just above board, but let's not overdo it. No. John chapter five, verse 17. But Jesus answered them, my father has been working until now and I have been working, not sleeping, not goofing around, not half-baked effort. I have been working. Whoo, praise God. The Father is a worker. Jesus is a worker. The Holy Spirit's working right now in you. So what does that make you? That makes you a worker. Praise God. Praise the Lord Jesus today. Now, we see this. In Genesis chapter 2, and what God did is a reflection, a reflection of what you can do as well. Genesis chapter 2. Let's go to verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work. Which, we, which he had done. Pastor Stephen, when, I, when can I take a little break? Well, when you get that assignment completed, praise God. Woo, praise the Lord. God will give you the strength to keep on going until you get it done. Here, we see that God basically took a blank canvas, and he went to work, and he finished it within six days. Praise God. I'll tell you what, I do see you crossing the finish line of the completion of your vision that God gave you in a timely manner. Why? Because you're a worker. You're a runner. You, you understand that you have to run with the vision. And, I, I, and I'm telling you today, you are going to cross that finish line. And just as God crossed the finish line after six days and said, it's done. I created the whole planet. <laughs> Oceans and mountains and animals and man, and, and I created the vast universe, galaxies, and stars. Wow, he did it. 
and you're going to get it done too. Your vision is going to speak at the end, and you're closer than you think to seeing it break out and come forth. Praise God. This is your year. Mm-mm. Thank you, Jesus. Well, let me say this. There are many who know what to do, and they have the gifting to do it. Perhaps you've met other believers like that in the body of Christ, but they refuse to put in, however, the required work. Therefore, their ministry stagnates, and it doesn't grow. Maybe it doesn't even achieve liftoff, or their business. They're not willing to work over 40 hours, but yet they want to have their own successful business. And they think somehow it's just, it's just magic is going to happen, and they're going to become this major corporation. Pastor Stephen, I, I've opened a kiosk, and I one day plan on opening 10 supermarkets, but you're hardly ever at the kiosk. Every time I go by to try to buy something, you're not there. Hmm, well, whatever it might be, my friends, you're going to have to run with that vision and put in the required work to break out of that initial orbit and go into the next phase that God has for you. Let's go to the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom, Proverbs chapter 14. We're going to look at verse 23. It says in all labor, there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. The word poverty there translated King James version is the word penury. And that means extreme poverty, not just poor. That means you're really hurting very bad financially. And all labor, there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. What's one of the major differences between rich people and people that are really poor? The rich person values time and knows the commodity of time. But a poor person, they never look at their watch. They may not even have a watch. Even if they have a phone, they don't care what time it is. They just get up whenever they want. They stay up as late as they want. Uh, they, they, are, they have no priorities with time. But the more responsible you come and the greater levels of wealth God moves you into, you become very cognizant that I've only got so much time. God, I've got to make every day count. I have to make every hour count. Oh, praise the Lord. I've never met ever a homeless person who's interested in staying on the clock. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, where I live at, we just go by island time. Everything's real slow here. And I, I love the islands, the islands of the world, the islands of the sea. But, you know, if, if you want to catch that airplane out or in, you're going to have to get there on time because even at the, on the island, they're going to run that flight on schedule. And if you're not there, you just missed the plane. <laughs> now you're really on island time. You got to wait six hours for another flight. Woo. So there's all these things we have to overcome. Perhaps our culture has affected us in these ways. I grew up, you know, down South. And, um, I remember one day driving, uh, in the, in, in the vehicle with my father and we're going down a, we're going down a road, uh, a country road, you know, it's paved road, uh, going towards the city. When I say the city, I'm talking about uh, a town that had population about 1,500. So this is not like a big city. So we're going into town, and the speed limit's 55. But yet there's a truck in front of us, and it's going literally maybe like 38 
40 miles an hour. And so we're behind it and a lot of curves, so we can't pass. So my dad just has to slow down. And I didn't understand it. I said, Dad, I said, I said, why is that? Why is that truck up in front of us driving so slow? He said, son, do you see, um, you see the color of the truck? It was like a yellow type color. I said, yeah. He said, that's a county truck. Those are, those are county workers. The two men in the truck, they work for the county. So what they're doing is because they are paid by the hour, and it's kind of like a set uh, job they have with, you know, very slow to get a raise. And, you know, it does, doesn't like pay that much of a great of a salary or anything like that. Therefore, they're driving just as slow as they can to do just as little work as they can because they don't love their job. They don't like their job. So they're just trying to drag the day out. That's why they're driving so slow. I said, Oh, I said, okay, so now I'm beginning to understand some things. <laughs> Woo. Oh my. Wow. Idle chatter going real slow, slow as you can. That's going to lead to what? To poverty. That's going to lead to difficult times. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. So for some of us, particularly if you're raised in cultures like that, you're going to have to get a quickening, praise God, to let the kingdom culture come into you to override any negative influences of the culture, perhaps on the earth that you were raised in. So that's what God's word does. It renews our minds and it shows us the path, the kingdom path to success, prosperity, and a life that brings glory to the Lord. So reaching your goal, fulfilling your vision has the potential for tremendous positive impact that just spreads and ripples outward over and over. But my friends, there is a due process for getting there. You don't get there by wishing. You don't get there by just wasting hours and hours with idle chatter. You get there by running. You get there by working and putting all of your heart into it. Praise God. You know, nobody, unless they've got, uh, uh, a brain where the elevator is not going all the way to the top floor. Nobody really wakes up in the morning, you know, that's, you know, maybe like 20 years old and says, you know what? I, th I just think today I'm going to go out and I'm going to make the Olympic team. No, nobody does that who have, who has never practiced or has uh, participated in that endeavor before. It doesn't work like that. You're the thing that you could, you're violating spiritual laws. I know sometimes we see these great athletes and sometimes we have a remarkable athlete that would come along and shatter a world record. We think, Oh, Oh, what talent? Oh yes. Raw talent, a lot of talent. But the truth is with all of them, if you look into their life, Hey, the guy started running when he was five years old, especially in distance running. They're, they're starting five, six, seven years old, even in sprinting. Hey, by the time they're in junior high, they're, they're, they've already been running for two years, and then they're going to uh, advanced coaching techniques. And by the time they're, you know, getting up there and they're teenagers, they're, they've already been doing this for years and years and years. One of the top runners in the world today who's a miler, but, I mean, he was running when he was eight years old, intensive training, well-structured training uh, by his dad, who happened to be one of the world's greatest coaches. And so today he stands at the forefront. <laughs> Not to mention that he had like four or five brothers go before him who helped refine the techniques and the practices. So he just rides along with that. And yeah, a lot of talent. Sure. But oh my goodness, 
They've been, you know, he's, he's in his early 20s, but he's just running like already almost his whole life he's been running. So you can't just wake up one day and say, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that too. No, there is a due process that God lays down, which in a sense are, we're, we're touching areas of spiritual laws that you have to work with the way that God has set it up. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I remember one time, true story, I was in college. I you know, ran track when I was in college. And one day, this was so weird. I went out, you know, me, me and my friends, we, you know, we're on the track team. So we go out to the track because on, uh, on that, that day was a track day. So we're going to do, uh, you know, running the 400 meters. You, you run one and then you rest a little bit. Then you run another. Total agony and pain. But that's what you do, you know, if you want to run the mile and so forth. Okay, so we're out at the track. And there's a group of about, it was, it was actually 12 men. There were 12 men at the track that day. We'd never seen them before, and they're all working out. They got the sweatpants on, but this is the craziest thing you've ever seen. Not one of them was under the age of 60. Some of them were 60. A couple of them were in their 70s, and, you know, they got beards. And, uh, and I, I went over and talked to them and said, hey, what you guys up to? Because I, I was like, what in the world are these guys doing? You know, they, they had starting blocks. They were practicing coming out of the blocks, and uh, they're warming up and stuff. And so I just happened to go up and talk to the guy that was the leader. And he was the leader of the 12. He's kind of like the Peter of the, of the apostles. <laughs> you may think that's funny. Uh, he actually thought in a sense that he was. I said, so what are you guys doing? He goes, well, he said, we belong to the so-and-so church. We are descendants of the children of Abraham. We're one of the lost tribes. And God has spoken to me that me... And these other 11 men, we each are going to go to the Olympics. We're going to participate in 12 different events, all track and field events. And we're each going to win the gold medal in each event. And when we win the gold medals, then we will be able to testify to everybody that we are the sole stewards of the truth and that everybody needs to come and join our movement. Well, okay, so the guy's off his rocker, okay? He's really way off in false doctrine. And so... um, but that's his plan. So they're out there working out because they're going to make the Olympic team. Remember, a couple of them are in their 60s. Some are in their 70s. I said, now, what, what event are you going to specialize in? He goes, 100 meters. I'm the main spokesman of this group. So I need to win the, I, I'm going to win the race that all the world's eyes will be upon. And when I cross the finish line and break the world record, then I'm going to testify that uh, we are the lost tribe of Israel and everybody needs to come join us. I said, oh, I said, uh, I said, what's your fastest time in the hundred? So he, you know, they're running like 15 seconds. Oh, okay. Now they're, they're running that in junior high. And I said, Hey, did you know that you have to qualify uh, for the Olympics? In other words, we have a USA Olympic team and it has standards. You, you can't just show up and be on the team. You have the, I said, in order to be on the hundred meters, just to qualify to get an invite to come and compete at the U S Olympic trials, you're going to have to run under 10.2. This guy over here that you said is going to win the, the gold medal in the hundred meters. He's going to have to be running like 146. I mean, so are you, do you understand that you can't just show up get on the start line, suddenly think God's going to touch you and zap you and boom, off you go. <laughs> I said, I said, God doesn't work like that. He has, he has principles where you pay a due process and then, and then you earn it. You, you, you earn it. Oh no, 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 no. God's going to zap us with power and we're going to show up and we're going to, we're going to break every record there is. Well, of course that was like 30 years ago. Well, Pastor Stephen, when you turned into the, tuned into the Olympics on TV, did you see him in the starting blocks of the final of the men's 100-meter dash? No. 
No, he's at home probably somewhere drinking an iced tea, uh, eating a hamburger. It, it's just, it was just a big pipe dream. It's not going to happen. Here's the problem. You have people in the body of Christ that think they're going to go there when they're not running with the vision. They'll talk about it, and they'll sit down and think about it, but they're not running. And you can't just go out one day like they were doing, just go out one day, work out. They're probably sore for five days after the, after the little workout they did and think, yeah, that's it. We're ready. No, it doesn't work like that. Woo. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We have to embrace uh, the Lord's process. Pra praise God. Pastor Stephen, now you're messing with my theology. I've been praying for God to make me skinny. Well, now hold on just a moment. First of all, I don't know if you want to be skinny. I don't know what your body shape is. We all have different body shapes. But let's say that you do want to get to your set body weight. Yes, Pastor Stephen, I'm praying God do a miracle. I'm praying God get me there. Oh, well, uh, have you changed your eating habits? No, and I don't want to talk about that. Oh, okay. Do you walk or do you do any form of exercise? No, I, I, I am not interested in that. I just want God to zap me. Oh, so you don't want to run with the vision. You just, you're just wishing for a vision to be fulfilled somehow. Yes. Yes. That's the way I want God to do it. Hmm. Okay. Keep on praying. See if anything happens. <laughs> Come back and talk to me when it does. Hallelujah. Now, some of these things the church jokes with, um, I know one particular minister, he loved buffets, particularly Chinese buffets. And he would go into the buffet and he, you know, the buffet, you pay a, a set flat price and then you can go in and eat all you want. And he would go in there and eat so much food. They'd almost have to roll him out with a wheelbarrow later. Okay. So he gains weight, gains weight, gains weight, keeps doing that for a couple of years and wakes up one day and realizes, wow, I'm like, I've gained like 70 pounds over my, my set body weight. And then he starts having some body problems. Okay. So he goes to the Lord. And he says, Lord Jesus, I need you to heal me. I need you to help me with my body. And the Lord said, you're going to have to be willing to work with me. Mm. Okay, so if we violate certain laws, some things we understand. Uh, what is wisdom? The ability to anticipate a consequence. So if the law says the speed limit's 55 and I go 90. Yeah, I can expect a, a consequence of probably getting a very severe ticket, but yet we break natural health laws and we think, Oh, it's funny. Oh, Pastor Stephen, God understands. Pass me another jelly donut. And so, so we think it's funny. It, it, it's funny until your body starts doing some weird things that it's not supposed to do. It's funny until suddenly something starts hurting and it doesn't go away or this stuff starts hitting you. Oh God, do a miracle. God do a miracle. Well, God can certainly do a miracle, but also he wants us to walk in health and follow these laws. Praise the Lord. We have to understand these types of things, especially in the context today of fulfilling vision. You have to be willing to run with the vision. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now in Seoul, Korea, Dr. Cho who pastored the world's largest church. He went home to be with the Lord last year. He lived his life out. Wonderful man of God. But with the church uh, that 
has a membership of 800,000. By the way, that's 800,000 tithing members. They all tithe. And that doesn't include the hundreds of thousands of other members where the church growth was so explosive, they just had to send some of them over to other churches, okay? So, truth be told, way over a million people. But the official total, 800,000 members. But even Dr. Cho said that he spends 70% of his time in the Word preparing his messages to preach and teach, and 30% of his time doing other stuff that he needs to do outside of his study time. Wow. Praise the Lord. We have to embrace the, the purpose of work, the purpose of running. You need to believe, of course, in your purpose. That's extremely important because to a certain degree, that actually generates energy for this pursuit of your vision. In other words, there is a fuel for the energy to run. Oh, glory to God. This is very, very exciting. Proverbs chapter 22. Let's talk just a little bit more about this particular subject. Praise God. Let me grab a drink of tea here. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 22, verse 29. Do you see a man who excels in his work? Oh, Pastor Stephen, it's all luck and chance. He's just lucky that he's excelling like that. But yet you look, you see a runner, a runner, a runner, a worker, a worker. Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown or regular men. Mm -mm. I think it's fascinating the story, true story of Isaac Newton, the famed scientist who in many ways, when you study his life, you realize this guy was addicted to his research work. He loved his work. He loved the study and to get into uh, a study on a subject and get completely lost in it. So it's a true story one time that uh, he's in his laboratory and he's, he's engaged in his study. And so it's getting close to lunchtime. So the food was brought to the dining table opposite from the laboratory. And it's the food is put at lunchtime at 12. The food's put on the table and the food sits there. Why? He, he's gotten so caught up in his work, he's forgotten about his food. One o'clock, food's not touched. Two o'clock, the food's not touched. Three o'clock, the food's not touched. So the food's removed off the table and put back in the kitchen and covered up somewhere. Okay, later, like at six o'clock, he kind of pops out for a moment of his intense focus and thinks, oh, I need to go eat. And so he walks into the dining room area and sees there's no food on the table. And he thinks, oh, I must have been so caught up in my studies that I ate, and I was so busy thinking that while I ate my food, I didn't even realize it, so I must be full. And he just goes back into a study. See, my friends, there is an element of the work that God has called you to, to the assignment, where uh, it's a passion, and you love it. Hallelujah. This is something that your heart is fully into. He said, I forgot I had already eaten, even though he hadn't. <laughs> And that, that reminded me of the story of Kenneth Hagin, who went to a certain uh, town to preach. And so the church put him up in the hotel that was close by the church. And so uh, a couple days go by, and he's teaching in the morning, at lunch, and at night, three times a day. And he would, he would do that for week after week. So he's teaching. A couple days go by, 
And one of the deacons of the church goes over to the hotel just to check on him there at the hotel, make sure everything's okay with his accommodations. And the man said, Brother Hagen, is everything fine? He said, how do you like the food at the restaurant? Uh, there here at the hotel, there, there's a, uh, the restaurant, the hotel he was staying in had a restaurant. He said, how do you like the food? And Kenneth Hagin stopped and thought for a moment. And it was then only that he realized the whole time I've been here, I haven't even eaten yet. And he said, I had gotten so caught up in the teaching of the word and just, you know, the, the anointing in these meetings that I completely forgot to eat. And so, well, the deacon said, well, let's, let's go down to the restaurant now. Because he told the deacon, I haven't even eaten yet. He said, let's go down there now. They walked down there and found out the restaurant was closed. It was being repaired or something like that. It wasn't even open. So they made some other food arrangements for him. And Brother Hagen said from then on, for the rest of those meetings, he did eat uh, regularly. But yes, there is a place where you can run with that vision. And you just, you just get lit on fire. And that's a good thing. Praise God. Proverbs chapter 12 also gives insight to these types of principles. As we see in verse 11, he who tills his land will be satisfied with bread, but he who follows frivolity or foolishness or doing silly, useless things is devoid of understanding. So my friends, success is not a gift. Success is an, is an adventure that you take with God where you are walking with purpose and desire towards seeing that vision fulfilled. Now, from time to time, I do meet a few people that are actually have a genuine, valid call into ministry. Maybe they have not gotten into it yet, or maybe they're already in it, but because they're not running with that vision, nothing's happening, nothing's working for them. I can't help but think of one man that had a true call into the ministry, into the prophet's office, but it seemed like every day all he ever did was watch cowboy and Western movies, watch them all day long, and wouldn't spend any time in the Word, wouldn't spend any time preparing himself for ministry, just watching movies all the time. And any time I had to go over or something like that, because my daughter, when she was young, she would sometimes play uh, with his uh, daughter. And so anytime I would drop her off, I could see him in there. And all he's doing is watching TV every single time. Uh, you know, some old John Wayne Western movie or something like that. You know, it could be clean movies or clean entertainment, but he's being pulled away and he's not running with that vision. And even today, after those years, nothing has ever developed for him with ministry. Praise God. I know other ministers that it's like their ministries. They never launch. They never move forward. Uh, some, I know one particular minister, it's like all he does is focus on his investments and his investments are doing really well. And financially he's very secure, but he puts so much emphasis into that, that the few times I've ever heard him preach, it's just like, Oh man, this, this is just as dead as a doorknob. There's no anointing on this and there can't be why you generate that anointing through time with the Lord and studying the word and in prayer. And he's not doing that. And he's not going to, he has no interest really in seeing the vi God's vision for, for his ministry being fulfilled. He's just not going to run with it. Praise the Lord. I actually had a minister one time, a prophet, a, a, a gifted could could potentially have an international ministry, but uh, no, the ministry's not even going to get out of the bedroom of his house in the sense is like growth or development. Why? He told me one time, he said, Stephen, he said, I hate preaching and teaching. 
He said, I hate to have to study the Bible to pull a message together. Okay. Do you think all these notes just got stuck there somehow? Did, a, did an angel do it for me? No. No, my friends, you're going to have to run with the vision that God gave you. He told me, he said, I hate having to preach and teach. You know what he wanted to do? And this is all he would do. This is why you've never heard of him and you never will. All he'd like to do, because this is all, I've only saw him minister a few times. This is all he would do. He would, because uh, he had a, a real nice singing voice. So after the, t the church time of praise and worship, he'd just kind of get up there and he'd take the mic and he'd start doing some singing and uh, start doing some prophesying and do a little more prophesying and everybody kind of gets happy. Let's get the band back up here. Come on, worship team. Let's get another song going and do that and do that for and just kind of mess around with that for 50 minutes or an hour. Nobody ever get the word. The people just having no knowledge, no, no, no teaching, nothing, just getting a bunch of, oh, Oh, lift your hands. Can't you feel him? Oh, he's here. Yes, yes, yeah. Oh, yes, he's here. All right. And, uh, and now you can't pay your bills because you don't know how. You can't get health into your body because nobody's taught you how to do it. But he's just going to go up there and float. Will God honor that? Will God look down from heaven and say, yes, this is what I want to use to touch the world. This will transform people's lives. No, it's the anointed word that transforms people's lives. Hallelujah. Praise God. Mm -mm. He wasn't willing to run with the vision that God gave him for ministry. And even today, uh, you'll not find him in the pulpit very much, but I guarantee you can find him on the golf course. The Lord bless him. Amen. But you know what? We've got one life to live. We've got to make it count. Praise the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Lift your hands right now and say, Lord, energize me to run with the vision. Say, Lord, energize me to run with the vision. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. The other night, because of the demands of the ministry, I didn't get to sleep till one o'clock in the morning. And then I got a text in the middle of the night that required my attention. Somebody was in trouble. I had to get up. This was 3.30 in the morning, and I had to get up and uh, address that situation. Well, Pastor Stephen, I guess you were able to sleep in. 7.30, teaching session with the underground Chinese church. What does that mean? Wake up at 7? Oh, no, you won't have time. That means get up at 4.45, get dressed, get woke up, get some coffee, pray, study. You got to teach a message to hungry, hungry people that are in the persecuted church. And they're not wanting some dead sermon. You got to bring the anointing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, Pastor Stephen, you just lucky that God's opening doors for you. <laughs> Do you see how silly all of that is? My friends, you have to work. You have to be willing to push yourself. Now, God will give you a break. He's not a taskmaster whipping you. No, this is love also. This is passion. This is passion. Praise God. So your heart is into it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. God heard your prayer. He's going to energize you with some heavenly fire. Praise God. Mm -mm. You've still got time. You've still got time. You've still got time to get it done. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, I need to talk just for a moment about persistence. Um, everything that has value takes time to develop. So we're not going to arrive there overnight. Now you are going to arrive at the end. The vision will speak. You are going to get there, but on this journey, let's also be persistent because th there's some time factors involved him uh, involved here. Galatians chapter six. Let's look at verse nine. 
And let us not grow weary while doing good. Don't grow weary. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. I want to tell you, you are going to reap. Don't lose heart. Your work is going to be rewarded. This year, you're breaking through. Your business is breaking through. Your career is breaking through. You're breaking through financially. Hallelujah. Those of you called to ministry, your ministry is breaking out this year. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Praise God. And I see also that your season is at hand. Thank you, Lord Jesus, today. Now, let me say something very interesting about the patriarchs. I want to mention Isaac just for a moment. Isaac, he was a runner. He was a worker. He was very persistent, and he had a tremendous work ethic. I want us to uh, very briefly look at this in the book of Genesis, of course. Uh, this would be chapter 26. Genesis 26. Let's go to verse uh, 15. Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father, and they had filled them with earth. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. Verse 18, And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father, for the Philistines had stopped them uh, up after the death of Abraham. Now, Pay careful attention. I want to read that one more time. And Isaac dug again the wells of water. Please note, this is the first mention in all of Scripture of any man earning his first Ph.D. This is the first Ph.D. in the Bible. And it's not an honorary doctorate. He earned it. <laughs> Pastor Stephen, what in the world are you talking about? He had Ph.D., post-hole digger. Woo! Boys, get that post-hole digger over here. We're going to dig these wells out. I tell you, the man had some shoulders on him. Mm, mm, mm. Some of you afraid to earn your old-fashioned Ph.D. You're afraid to sweat. You're afraid to apply yourself. My friends, go ahead and get the spiritual Ph.D. Put your hands and down and begin to dig like Isaac. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And some of you, you're called to earn a Ph.D. in your respected career field. Go ahead and get it. Don't stop at the masters. You're so close. Go higher. Go higher for the glory of God. Verse 19, and Isaac's servants dug in the valley. Look, they're all diggers. But you're not going to inspire anybody to do any digging if you're not willing to grab that post hole digger yourself. They saw Isaac digging. And the men said, whoa, but the boss is throwing it down. We better, we better, we better show up. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did. So now his servants are digging also and found the well of running water there. It's amazing what you find when you apply yourself. Oh, that's just luck. Ah, mm. that's what they said to Sylvester Stallone when he made the first Rocky movie and it became a phenomenal success. One critic said, oh, that's just a lucky shot. He replied, I was trying to make that shot. <laughs> Woo. Verse 22. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth. I see your Rehoboth manifesting this year. Why? You're persistent. You just keep running with the vision. Praise God. Hallelujah. Lord, we give you praise today. 
Let me say that God wants you to receive the anointing to never give up. Receive the anointing today to never give up on running with the vision that God has given you. Persistence will wear out various forms of frustration just as it wore out the Philistines. They said every time we fill up one of these wells, he comes along and unfills it again. And now he's discovering new wells with new water. And they just said, oh, we're never going to beat this guy. Leave him alone. And they just gave up. Amen. And that's what happens also when you refuse to give up and you stay persistent. You just keep running and you keep working. <laughs> what happens? Boom. Breakthrough. You're getting your Rehoboth this year. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, finally, they tie together persistence but also put patience there with it as well. Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with patience. Some translations say endurance. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. My friends, nothing begins in fullness. It begins in seed form. So you have to run with it, and you have to persevere with it, and also walk in patience, because it may be small now, but that's not where you're going to end up at. At the end, that thing is going to speak. When that vision is fulfilled, it is going to bring glory to the Lord, and it will bring a great witness through you, not only to the church, but to many that are outside as well who want to see the real thing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Mm -mm. I see you as that city set on a hill, a shining example of God working through a man, of God working through a woman, and what God can do to a yielded vessel. Mm -mm. Get ready. Get ready. Praise the Lord. Anything that we get overnight without due process can also disappear. And not only can it, it will. It will disappear overnight. That is another spiritual law. This is why those that win a lottery uh, with a lot of money, they, they all lose it. They, why? They don't know what they're doing. That why They've never been through the due process of how to handle money. So suddenly they get a whole bunch. They're not prepared for it. Anything we get overnight will disappear overnight. That's why God develops you. That's why when you run with it, God is working with you to uh, uh, mature the image of Christ in you so that not only do you reach that place, but you now stand in that place of influence. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11 speaks to this. Praise the Lord. Wealth gained by dishonesty or wrong means or wrong methods. Wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished. But he who gathers by labor. Oh, Pastor Stephen, don't say that word. I can't take it. He who gathers by labor will increase. Labor is good. Why? It produces increase in your life. It helps to bring your vision to pass. Embrace it and run with it. And you're going to also end up in that place so caught up in it. Yeah, you miss a few meals too. <laughs> Why? You're so engaged. You know what? You'll find out, hey, I can eat later. Order the pizza. Praise God. 
Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. Lift your hands. Father, I pray for your people today. Oh, God, you've been speaking to your people. There's been the unveiling of the plan. There's been the unveiling of the calling. They know. They've caught the vision. But now, Father God, it must be more than just seeing it. It must be now applying these biblical principles to see it come to pass. So, Father, we thank you that we're not sitters, that we're not just talkers, but we thank you that we are runners. Father, let that anointing to persevere fall upon your people and let them be energized by, your, by the anointing on your word to move it forward with great strides. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. You are blessed. Amen. Praise God. If you're watching today's message and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, He stands ready right now to cancel and forgive all of your sins, all of your sin debt. But you must turn from sin and repent of it and give your heart to Him and live for Him. If you're ready to make that decision, and I know there's those that are watching who are, right now, pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, but you died to save sinners like me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, Jesus. Jesus, come into my heart. Wash all of my sins away. Write my name in your book of life and step into my life and lead me and guide me from this day forward in your name. I pray. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. The Lord has heard that prayer. Welcome to the family of God. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and praise God for saving you. Jesus, we praise you. <laughs> glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. God's moving in a beautiful way. My friends, let's, Let's take Holy Communion as we honor the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you that if you are a believer in Christ, grab some, grab some unleavened bread. And in my cup, I've got some grape juice. Grab yourself some grape juice. Let's take communion together. Let's pray over it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. And right now, through this prayer, we bless and consecrate we set apart as holy the bread and the juice now as the, the body and the blood of Christ. And we thank you, Father, that we receive it just as Jesus said. He said, you shall eat my flesh and drink my blood through the bread and the juice. So, Father, we give you praise. Thank you. We give you praise. Father, thank you for the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And thank you, Father God, for principles that you outlined in your word concerning what you require of us to see divine vision be fulfilled. So, Father, we embrace the truth. We embrace your word. And we thank you, Father, for altering and correcting things in our lives to remove perhaps what we could call slack. And you're making the line tight because we have to be like that to get to the finish line. Now, we give you praise. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the Lord's body. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, I got up that morning early to preach and minister to the Chinese church. 
And then after that, I spent some more time with the Lord and boom, the day took off busy, 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 busy. And it went all the way again to one o'clock in the morning. Oh, Pastor Stephen, that's fine. You could just sleep in the next day. Guess what? They wanted a double session. And I got up again, right before five to teach again, another session to the underground church in China. Praise God. Well, Pastor Stephen, your ministry is just, it's just lucky. It's lucky that it's extending around the world. no. No, God honors labor. In all labor, there is profit. Praise God. Oh, but Pastor Stephen, you have a gifting. Well, I, the, the gift is from God. It's a gift that He gave to me as a, as a ministry office gift. But the gift doesn't fly by itself. The vision will not be fulfilled by itself. We must run. I see you running. Praise God. <laughs> you could understand why Jesus fell asleep in the back of the boat. He was tired. He was tired. Woo, praise God. You grab your nap, and then you keep on going. Heavenly Father, thank you for the precious blood of Jesus shed for the forgiveness, the taking away of our sins. Thank you, O God, for Jesus. Thank you for grace. Thank you for grace. Father, I sense there's some that are watching right now. They're thinking, Pastor Stephen, I've, I've wasted some time, and I'm, I'm, I, I, I haven't even put my running shoes on yet. It's never too late to start, is what the Lord says. And if you'll let Him work with you, He'll still get you to where you're supposed to be on time. It's amazing, God's grace. I, I even believe that sometimes there is a secret in the recipe, in the formula of the race, where God bakes in delays that we cause, not intentionally, but just things that distract us or whatever. God understands our humanity. But that doesn't mean we have time to waste so quickly, tie up your shoes. And by the way, when you're running, always tie your shoes in knots. Because you don't want to be in a race. Oh, my shoe came untired. You're never going to, you stop and do that. You're, first of all, you're going to break your rhythm. Yes, you're going to lose time. You just broke your rhythm, though. Now you're going to have to fight to get that back. Okay? So be prepared. Run seriously. Praise God. Glory, 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 glory to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for forgiveness of our sins. If we have committed any sin, we ask that you would forgive us. We ask that you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Father, we forgive anybody, anyone who has sinned against us. We forgive them and bless them and move on. We give you praise. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's receive. Praise God. Lift your hands to the Lord for a moment. Lord, we thank you. There's fire falling right now. There's a, some of you feel like you're on fire right now. Father, we just thank you for the impartation, the burning. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you are thinking, there's a, just a couple of you are thinking, well, now, Pastor Stephen, if I had been called to be a, a famous celebrity athlete, and if I got paid $100 million a year to pay baseball, then I would show up to work excited. God, Scott, your calling is what's best for you. The gifting that God gave you is tailored just for you. And you need to find that place, and that's where your greatest happiness is. And that's also where your prosperity is at. So, Father, I just thank you that you didn't make a mistake, that you've got them on the right path, the right track. Bless your people. I thank you that your fire is falling and burning right now with a passion to get the next assignment completed on the journey of the fulfillment of the vision. Father, bless your people. With that supernatural energy, even as Paul said, I labored more than all of them in reference to the 12 apostles. Father, and he, he said that you're the one that energized him 
I thank you for that same touch of your spirit burning in your people right now in Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. My friends, thank you for watching. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye.